Welcome to Storytime with Kurt. In each episode, I'd like you to sit back, relax, and just chill out while I read Tom Swift and His Electric Runabout by Victor Appleton. Previously, in chapter 16 of Tom Swift and His Electric Runabout. Well, Tom was back at the house and found out that Mr. Damon and Mr. Swift were talking about something in private, and it turns out that they've got some money some money concerns at their bank. Chapter 17, A Run on the Bank Why, Mr. Pendergast, exclaimed Mr. Damon, rising quickly as Tom ushered in the aged president, whatever is the matter? You here at this hour? Bless my trial balance. Is anything wrong? I'm afraid there is, answered the bank head. I have just received word which made it necessary for me to see you both at once. I'm glad you're here, Mr. Damon. He sank wearily into a chair which Tom placed for him, and Mr. Swift asked, Have you been able to raise any cash, Mr. Pendergast? No, I'm sorry to say I have not, but I did not come here to tell you that. I have bad news for you. As soon as we were opening our doors this morning, there's there was a run on the bank. A run on the bank? repeated Mr. Swift. The moment we begin business in the morning, went on Mr. Pendergast. Bless my soul, then don't begin business, cried Mr. Damon. We must, insisted Mr. Pendergast. To keep the doors closed would be a confession at once that we have failed. No, it's better to open them and stand the run as long as we can. When we've exhausted our cash, he paused. Well, asked Mr. Damon, then we'll fail, that's all. But we mustn't let the bank fail, cried Mr. Swift. I'm willing to put some of my personal fortune into the bank capital in order to save it. So is my son here. That's right, chimed Tom heartily. All I've got, I'm not going to let Andy Foger get ahead of us, nor his father either. I'll help to the limit of my ability, asked Mr. Damon, or added Mr. Damon. I appreciate all of that, continued the president, but the unfortunate part of it is that we need cash. You gentlemen, like myself, probably have your money tied up in stocks and bonds. It's hard to get cash quickly, and we must have cash at noon as we open in the morning to pay the depositors who will, be, who will come flocking to the doors. We must prepare for a run on the bank. How do you know there'll be a run? asked the young inventor. I received word this evening, just before I came here, replied Mr. Pendergast. A poor widow who has a small amount in the bank called on me and said she had been advised to withdraw all of her cash. She said she preferred to see me about it first, as she did not like to lose her interest. She said a number of her acquaintances, some of whom are quite heavy depositors, had also been warned that the bank was unsound, and that they ought to take out their savings and deposits at once. Did she say who thus warned her? inquired Mr. Swift. She did, was the reply, and that shows me that there is a conspiracy on foot to ruin our bank. She stated that Mr. Foger had told her our institution was unsound. Mr. Foger, cried Mr. Damon, 
So this is one of his tricks to bolster up his new bank. He hopes the people who withdraw their money from our bank will deposit it with him. I see his game. He's a scoundrel. And if it's possible, I'm going to go sue him for the damages after all this is over. Did we? Did he warn the others? Inquired the agent inventor. Not all of them, answered the president. Some received letters from a man signing himself Addison Berg, warning them that our bank was likely to fail at any day. Addison Berg, exclaimed Tom. That must have been the important business he had with Mr. Foger the day I showed him the watch charm. They were plotting the ruin of our bank then, and he told his father about his disastrous pursuit of the submarine agent. Very likely, Foger's working with Berg, admitted Mr. Damon. We will attend to them later. The question is, what can we do to save the bank? Get cash, and plenty of it, advised Mr. Pendergast. Suppose we go over the whole situation again, and they fell to talking stocks, bonds, securities, mortgages, and interest until the youth, interested as he was in the situation, could follow it no longer. Better go to bed, Tom, advised his father. You can't help us any, and we've many details to go over. The lad reluctantly consented, and he was soon dreaming that he was in his electric auto trying to pull up a thousand-pound lump of gold from the bottom of the sea. He awoke to find the bedclothes in a lump on his chest, and removing them fell into a deep slumber. When the young inventor awoke the next morning, Mrs. Baggert told him that his father and Mr. Damon had risen nearly an hour before, had partaken of a hearty breakfast, and departed. "'They told me to tell you they were at the bank,' said the housekeeper. "'Did Mr. Pendergast stay all night?' inquired Tom." I heard someone go away about two o'clock this morning, replied the housekeeper. I don't know who it was. They must have had a long session, thought Tom, as he began on his bacon, eggs, and coffee. I'll take a run down to the bank in my electric in a little while. The car was still in rather crude shape out outwardly, but the mechanism was now almost perfect. Tom charged the batteries well before starting out. The youth had no sooner come in sight of the old Shopton bank to, dis to distinguish it from the second national which Mr. Foger had started, then he was aware that something unusual had occurred. There was quite a crowd about it, and the more persons were constantly arriving to swell the throng. "'What's the matter?' asked Tom, one of, of one of the few police officers of which Shopton boasted. The lad did not need to be told. "'Run on the bank,' was the brief answer. "'It's failed.' Tom felt a pang of disappointment. Somehow, he'd hoped that his father and his friends might have been able to stave off ruin. As he approached nearer, Tom was made aware that the crowd was in an ugly mood. "'Why don't they open the doors and give us our money?' cried one excited woman. "'It's ours. I worked hard for mine, and now they want to keep it from us. I wish I'd put it in the new bank.' Yes, that's the that's the best place, added another. That Mr. Foger has lots of money. I can see the hand of Andy's father and that of Mr. Berg at work here, thought Tom. They've spread rumors of the bank's trouble and hope to profit by it. I wish I could find a way to beat them at their own game. As the minutes passed and the bank was not opened, the ugly temper of the crowd increased. 
The few police could do nothing with the mob, and several, bolder than the rest, advocated battering down the doors. Some went up the steps and began to pound on the portals. Tom looked for a sight of his father or Mr. Damon, but could not see either. It was not the regular hour for opening the bank, but when the police reminded the people of this, they only laughed. I guess they ain't going to open up anyhow, shouted a man. They got our money and they're going to keep it. What difference is an hour anyway? Yeah, if they have our money, why don't they open and not wait until 10 o'clock, cried another. I've got $105 in there. I want it. More excited persons were arriving every minute. The crowd surged this way and that. Many looked anxiously at the clock in the tower of the town hall. The gilded hands pointed to a few minutes of ten. Would the bank open its doors when the hour boomed out? Many were anxiously asking this question. Tom sat in his electric, in his electric guitar. That's so stupid. Tom sat in his electric car near the front of the bank. The interest of the crowd, which under normal circumstances would have been centered in the queer vehicle, was not drawn toward it. The people were all thinking of their money. Suddenly, one of the two doors of the bank slowly opened. There was a yell from the crowd and a rush to get in. But the police managed to hold the leaders back. And then Tom saw that it was Ned Newton who stood in the partly open portal. He held up his hand to indicate silence and a hush fell over the mob. The bank is open for business, Ned announced. But there must be no rush. The building is not large enough to accommodate you all. If you form a line, you will be admitted in turn. The bank hopes to pay you all. Hopes, cried a woman scornfully. We can't eat hopes, young man, nor yet pay the rent with it. Hopes indeed. But Ned had said all he cared to, and with a rather white face he went back inside. The one door remained open, and with a policeman on either side, a line of anxious depositors was slowly formed. Tom watched them crowding and surging forward, all eager to be the first to get their cash out, lest there not be enough for all. As he waited, the young inventor was aware that some was signaling to him from the big window of the bank. He looked more closely and saw Ned Newton beckoning to him, and the young cashier was motioning Tom to go around to the rear, where a door of the bank opened on a small alley. Wondering what was wanted, Tom slowly ran his machine down the side street and up the alley. No one paid any attention to him. A porter admitted the lad, and he made his way to the private offices where he knew his father and Mr. Damon would be. In the corridors, he could hear the murmur of the throng and the chink of the money as the tellers paid it out. Well, Tom, this is bad business, remarked Mr. Swift as he saw his son. The lad noticed that Mr. Damon was in the telephone booth. Yes, Dad, admitted Tom. It's a run, all right. What are you going to do? The best we can. Pay out all the cash we have and hope that before that time, people will come to their senses. The bank is all right if they would only wait. But I'm afraid they won't, and after we pay out all the cash we have, we'll have to close the doors. Then there's sure to be an unpleasant scene, and maybe some of the more hot-headed ones will advocate violence. We've given orders to the tellers to pay out as slowly as possible, 
so as to enable us to gain some time. And all you need is money. Is that it, Dad? That's it, Tom. But we've exhausted every possibility. Mr. Damon's trying to, trying a forlorn hope now, but even if he's successful, before Mr. Swift had ceased speaking, Mr. Damon fairly burst from the telephone booth. He was much excited. I've got it! I've got it! He cried. What? asked Mr. Swift and Tom in the same breath. The cash, or, or what's just as good, the promise of it. I called up Mr. Chase of the Clayton National Bank, and he's agreed to take the railroad securities I offered him as collateral. They'd let me have $60,000 on them. They'll give us some cash enough to weather the storm. Hurrah, we're all right now. Bless my checkbook. The Clayton National Bank, remarked Mr. Swift, and his voice was hopeless. It's 40 miles away, Mr. Damon, and no railroad around here runs anywhere near it. No one could get there and back with the cash today, in time to save us from the ruin. It's impossible. Our last chance is gone. How far did you say it was, Dad? Asked Tom quickly. Forty miles there, over forty, I guess, and not very good roads. We would need to have the cash here before three o'clock to be of any service to us. Nope, it's out of the question. The bank will have to fail. No, cried the young inventor, and his voice rang out through the room. I'll get the cash for you. How? gasped Mr. Damon. You can't get there and back in time. Yes, I can, cried Tom. In my electric runabout, I can make it go a hundred miles an hour if necessary. Probably I'll have to run slow over the bad roads, but I can do it. I know I can. I'll get the $60,000 for you. For a moment, there was silence. Then Mr. Damon cried, Good! And I'll go with you and deliver the securities to Mr. Chase. Come on, Tom Swift. Bless my collar button, but maybe we can yet save the old bank after all. End of chapter 17. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Storytime with Kurt. You can subscribe to the podcast by going to anchor.fm slash storytimewithkurt. If you want to stay up to date with all the recordings moving forward, you can catch the live recordings on twitch.tv slash VO by Kurt. Or follow me on Twitter at VO by Kurt. And that's Kurt spelled with a K. If you have suggestions for future books, please send me an email at kurt at storytimewithkurt.com. See you next time.